you know, you can toast, can't you? Baileys. What, what, under what circumstances do you have a Baileys? If you're feeling particularly, particularly sort of luxurious and you're in a Baileys. bath. Baileys? In a bath? In a bath. Some nice warm Baileys and a nice warm bath. I thought you have it next to a nice warm fire. Baileys doesn't serve any purpose. Like a what? Weddings, you wouldn't have Baileys. Christmas, you wouldn't have Baileys. It's for grannies, isn't it, Baileys? Good Bailey. for grannies. That's the advertising slogan. Good we, for grannies. We've mm. got at least two full bottles of Baileys. If anybody has a granny that, that currently Bailey. needs a bottle of Baileys, yeah. then when do you have Steve's it? Steve's house. When do you say, you know what? I really fancy Baileys. Well, you know, you'll do the pre Christmas shop, you know, beer, wine. Whiskey, brandy. Oh, we'll have to get a bottle of Baileys as well. Was that a thing? Well, have we not got two full bottles of Baileys from the previous two Christmases? Yeah, but you've got two full bottles of Baileys. Yeah, yeah. So you obviously haven't drink, drunk yeah, exactly. any of it. Because yeah, there's, yeah, there's no reason to drink it. Oh, yeah, all, we'll, take, all take buys for Christmas is gin. Oh, yeah, there's always some gin. Yeah. Is that to take the edge off? It's just, of, a, just, of Christmas. For, just for her, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't share it around. <laughs> Tragically, we always run out of tonic before we run out of gin. Oh, come on. Who's drinking the tonic? Well, I hate tonic. Oh, I love tonic. I just drink on its own with ice. It's beautiful. Really? I really like this. It's quinine. Man. Quinine. It's quinine's it's gorgeous. Good for malaria. What? Good for malaria. I've had malaria. Quinine's an anti malaria. When I was in Dar es Salaam, I had malaria. When, when we were in Dar es Salaam. Oh. My father worked out in Dar es Salaam. He, run, uh, he ran a, a textile company out there. Is that right? Yeah. No, I'm lying. Dar es Salaam. When are we going to. made up facts all drawn together. say or something. Dar es Salaam, would I? When did you live in Dar es Salaam? Um, I used to go out there for the summers for about four years. He was out there pretty much six months of the year. I used to go out with my mum. And um, I got malaria. Did you? Yep. Oh, yeah. Survived it. So you You went out with your mum and came back with malaria. She stayed out there. No, my mum came back as well. The house we had was incredible. We had a chef called Jackson. He was tremendous. We had uh, a security guard. We had a, a houseboy kind of cleany uppy man, Simon. He was wonderful. He got it. But because of the natives and stuff, you can't give them the injections to... They have to build up a tolerance, so it's awful. The diarrhoea was a... Oh, dreadful. Dreadful. Painting a lovely picture there. Mm. Talk to us a little bit more about something which is a little more palatable at this time. Um, the the chef, what would he prepare for you? Anything English we wanted. Or yeah, yeah, anything, anything. Tanzanian. Tanzanian food, yes. which would be... I don't know, you tell Tanzanian me. Tanzanian food. Is that even... No, there's no such thing, is there? Tanzanian. Tanzanian. Tanzanian, probably. Just Tanzanian. What is, Tanzanian. Tanzanian. What's, it, what's it, East African food? I don't know. I think that's it's food that they eat in East Africa. Very good chinch, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I don't know what it is. You're the person what is the, what is the traditional it? diet? The tradition, what I had was chicken nuggets. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that is the typical East African diet. It, I'm certain But I was, I was 10, was nine or 10 supply? years old. Ready supply of chicken nuggets at that time? There was, because Jackson was they, very good when he went to the local market. especially for you? No, he used to slaughter the chickens for me. Ethiopia, mm. I know it's a different country. Eat my only sphere of, of reference is Ethiopian food. Which is rice, and they do these big breads that you kind of. Oh, Kate knows what they're called. But Loaves. You, you fold. No, it's like a flatbread. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's similar to a chapati. Oh, fold today! This is going to be a long recording. <laughs> the, uh, it's like similar to a chapati, but you kind of eat it off the bread. And it's, oh. it's Ethiopian food's meant, meant to be very nice. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. wonder if traditional Tanzanian food is similar to that. Mm. Don't, don't you love Tanzanian? Wouldn't we prefer Tanzanian than Tanzanian? You're, no, you're wrong. Of Tasmania. I know, obviously. I went to Zanzibar. That was wonderful, Zanzibar. I would like to go to Zanzibar. Can you tell us a little bit about that? No, no let's not best really. not. This is Set Piece Menu, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Let me introduce to you the team. Introducing Steve Wyeth. He's head of marketing. I'm Hugh Ferris. I'm head of creative. He does with air quotes. Rory 
Corey Smith is head of intelligence, and Andy Hinchcliffe is very much ahead of the fashion game. Cooler than a 16-year-old asking for booze at a cost cutter. There you are, beautifully <laughs> resplendent. You know, when you get, I know I'm not going to get it. There's always you, and then I'm never second or third. I'm always at the butt of the at the end. You're right. And here's this dingleberry we brought along as well. <laughs> well actually, if you if you refer back only to last week's podcast, you were introduced third, and That's Rory good. was well, introduced last. Why I, was that? Because I've been because he was the, the dingleberry. The I've been the black sheep who missed one. Mm. Mm. And now you've got your own WhatsApp group without me, haven't you? Uh, that's not, true. I'm not just, saying anything. Just like, where is he this time? Yeah. Oh, God, somewhere else fancy. Pre- it's, it's pretty prolific stuff as well. Yeah, I can imagine. Because <laughs> yeah. you said this is never going to happen again, but there's a fair chance it will happen it again. It will n- never happen Because you're a very again. popular man and very talented. I'm, not, I'm neither popular nor talented. You are. I'm occasionally quite busy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's really? lovely coffee, Steve. Thank really? You. That's you drank that like a grand. <laughs> it's boiling hot. Like a grand drinking tea. It's boiling hot, not Bailey's. It's <laughs> boiling hot. Brings us on rather nicely to um, describe the water. scene, which is at Steve's uh, dinner table where he has just poured coffee. And uh, on a rare occasion, set piece menu, we haven't yet eaten the food. The food is to come afterwards. We are having what, Steve? Uh, we are going to have uh, bacon and eggs on muffins. Um, I hope everybody can hang around. I'm not. Well, it is. Chinch has to leave, so we're a little bit up against it in terms of time, and also he might not get the food. Well, as long yeah. as he doesn't want these eggs over easy, should that be ready in time? What does it even mean? Eggs over easy when you turn it over and cook it on the other side. Oh, right, okay. Why, 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 why would you do that? He's probably never had a fried egg. Yeah, oh, do they do that in New York? They do do that in New York. Yes, that is. Oh, yeah, American. No, no, no. Have you had a New York breakfast sat at a bar? I, had, I did when I went to New York. So we did we, that, did so we? We, yeah. we did that. You were there. Did you have, do you know what I discovered this time, the, the, this last time I was in New York that I had not previously discovered? Cinnamon challah bread French toast. It is the greatest thing in the world. I think I had that. Cinnamon I, what? The time that Cinnamon challah French toast. There is a... Say it slower. Um, Cinnamon. Yeah. Challa. 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 As in challa bread. Challa bread. It's, it's, it's one of your, your Hebraic breads. I oh, think. okay. Uh, and Have it in Tanzania. <laughs> with French toast, which means it's obviously fried. A lot of calories are in that. going to give you a heart attack, yeah. There is a, there is a place that uh, the, where we went to for lunch, uh, for, for brunch, rather, because when you're in New York, you can't just have breakfast for some reason. I don't know why I didn't say breakfast. It was quarter to ten, but he said, we're having brunch. So no, it's just breakfast, isn't it? It's he said, no, it's brunch. It's just, just off um, Times Square. It's called Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Diner, and it's, and it's sensational. And mm. we didn't have to eat for about a day and a half yes. afterwards. Yeah. I love a diner. Love a diner. I have I to sit in the bar. Love a diner. Yeah. With a bonquet and a booth. Uh, yes, they were all booths or at the bar. We sat at the bar. But surely a New York diner is going to be better than... Uh, do, we, do we have diners over here? We, we did have we for do. a period. We, we have Generally kind of, speaking on the A1. Little yeah. Chefs, little chefs, yeah. <laughs> That's not really a diner, is it? No. No. But I'm thinking that... It doesn't really exist anymore either. When I they're, get, still, they're still yeah. there in name, aren't they? When I get found out as a charlatan in this industry, I, I, ha- I do have a business plan. Oh, God, here we go. And in fact, Chinch, maybe you'd like to invest. A man, on, of, man of your means. Go on then. <laughs> For an American style diner, mm-hmm. but at the back you'd have baseball batting cages. Oh, I thought you should have baseball bats in case people don't pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of place is that? He wouldn't rack it. He wanted you to come in. Yes. You're going to be the menacing presence <laughs> of the door. You're the muscle. So people are going to eat and then going to want to. No, or they, or. Build, they build up their appetite. Yeah. Baseball batting cages. In Tokyo. Yeah. You go to these video arcades, and it's like a normal arcade with video games and driving games and all that. And then at the back, there are just batting cages. So you get a bat, you put in your however many yen, 300 yen, and this machine just fires balls at you, and you have to try and hit them. 
and it's the most fun you can ever have in it's a back street of uh, Tokyo. Have you seen that in the, in the Simpsons when he goes into it and he actually falls over and it just keeps peppering him with and he can't hit any of them, he's just lying on the floor as the balls are battering into him. We obviously wouldn't let oafs in, but the, um, I did it and was surprised. I think I could have been a professional baseball player. <sighs> just, just on that. Based on that. I just want to say, Rory, when they are nailing the plasterboard up against the windows of your crazy enterprise <laughs> as it's crumbling around you, I will be there to support you. Oh, thanks, Steve. Mm. And to, I think it's really right there. What would you call it? it? Around your shoulder. I'll get back to you on the name. <laughs> Smudges. <laughs> What's important is the concept. That's true. And he came up with a name for this podcast, so therefore he is capable mm. of creating I can name one. stuff. I named a dog. That, re- that really is the extent of his powers. So when you find out, when, when everybody finds out you're a charlatan, it's based on the fact that you can only name things and Just can't do anything else. Yeah. That's hard, true. You know, did you go down the food route or the baseball route? Could be a tricky You've got to try and combine the two. Home plate. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, oh a chance. Sorry. That chinch, I always said, he can name things. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Hot diggity dog. I think he might have just broken several items of crockery. Sorry. For that celebration. <laughs> we should also say we are joined by a small ginger man. Uh, George is currently enjoying Hotel Transylvania on an iPad. So he is <laughs> Netflix and chilling yes, at I, the dining room table. I really hope he's not. He really isn't. No, he is yeah, definitely not. not. He, is, he is not. He's three. He is not <laughs> impressed by your New York breakfast stories because he too has had breakfast in New York. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So, difficult man to impress. Uh, do get in touch with us if you can on at Set Piece Menu on Twitter. You can also email us at Set Piece menu at gmail.com we have some incredibly enlightened listeners we should pay tribute to them and particularly there was a gentleman called ross park who when we um asked people to get in touch via email with ideas that we could discuss on the podcast he, he decided to send some sort of missive that contained about 20 they were all, they were all really good ideas. and they were all really excellent ideas so ross thank you very much thanks indeed. for seeing us through to the end of 2017 exactly if you are as clever as ross and would like to also uh, send us any things that you'd like us to discuss you can email us setpiecemenu at gmail.com we've had a few already get to the back of the queue um review also please rate also please subscribe and tell your friends and we shall um, probably pay you back with everything but money gifts prizes and <laughs> Pay back with, with entertainment. A little bit of gratitude. But we are free. Remember that. Each set-piece menu is all about one footballing subject. Talks about until we're blue in the face. And today, we wanted to talk about experience. Not just because I wanted to tell another NFL story, but I'm going to anyway. Oh, because God. it prompts... There's a family guy where... Even informs the discussion, I there's think. A, there's a family guy where... Um, the opening like scene is all about Meg, and then then just just before it cuts to the beginning, Peter goes, "That's right, guys, it's going to be a Meg episode." That's how I feel. Like <laughs> the NFL. I know that episode, uh, and I understand that feeling completely. <laughs> the, th- um, the problem is, his Family Guy only do that once a seat, once a yeah. series, whereas Hugh does it once a month. Imagine if they did that like twice in three weeks or something. Um, stand by, everybody, for the jumping-off point at least for a eulogising of Tom Brady. Tom Brady is almost. Unarguably, the greatest... Is that an oxymoron? Can he be almost unarguably? Uh, the greatest quarterback of all time. He's won five Super Bowls, including two in the last three years, at the ages of 37 and 39. In fact, he's better now than he was in his mid-20s. So here we are talking about experience. He's adopted something of a ridiculous lifestyle to help extend his career, and it's working. <laughs> I thought you he's adopted. That's more of an amazing story. He doesn't even know his real parents. <laughs> 
probably wouldn't necessarily help or hinder him in his chosen career. Uh, having won his latest Super Bowl, and as he prepares to turn 40, he said this recently. So I, I want everybody to pay attention to this because you're all thinking about Chinch and his silliness. <laughs> He said, I've seen it all. I've processed 261 games. I've played them all. It's an incredibly hard sport, but because the processes are right and they're in place, for anyone with experience in their job, it's not as hard as it used to be. There was a time when quarterbacking was really hard for me because you didn't know what to do. Now I really know what to do. I don't want to stop. This is when it's really enjoyable. So because of vitamins, electrolytes and avocado ice cream, he's still physically capable at a time of his career when his brain can cool on 17 years of experience. One of the sad paradoxes of sport is that usually your body breaks down just as you're ready to reap all of those rewards. Isn't that right, Andy? My knees. If my knees hadn't given... By the time I'm 50, I'd have been an incredible player, wouldn't I? It's the sweet spot we're talking about here, aren't we? Experience and fitness. Bam! And it happens so, so rarely. And in this situation of Tom Brady, everybody knows that he's brilliant. But the fact is, he's getting better. Because of the physical changes that he's made to his lifestyle, fine. But also, he's now able to bring to bear all that incredible knowledge that he has garnered over 17 years. Yes, and that must be very important. But how much ground does a quarterback physically... I know he gets splattered. Well, he gets splattered. By tight ends and loose connections but <laughs> how as a footballer does that, does that sound like a 1980s popular beat comeback yes. Really does, yeah. yes but footballers clearly physically you're covering more ground aren't you the quarterbacks tend to take four steps backwards and then chuck the ball for a quarterback it would be imp- more impact injuries twisting yes. of knees as, yes. they, as yes. they try to, uh, to escape but the pressure I think mm. the Others, principle yeah the principle is sound. Similar. The principle of what Brady's saying is sound. That as theoretically, as you get older, you should get wiser yep. as a player. And but then, as as Chint says, the, what lets you down is the is the physical side of it. You can't run quite as quickly, quite as far, or jump as high, or whatever. But I do wonder whether we we overestimate the value of youth in football. If you look at people like Paolo Maldini, for example. Maldini was 39 when he played in the European Cup final. He's my all-time hero, Paolo Maldini. I mean, he's wonderful the man. Just second best left wonderful back I've man. ever seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And After Stuart Pearce. <laughs> and everybody else. <laughs> the, yeah, Baresi played on until he was quite old. Costa Curta, all those Italians, they all kind of played on for quite a long time. And Francesco Totti, I don't know if I've mentioned that oh, interviewed him, but, God. you know, still going. Well, have you? Yeah. Um, that, that's winning just over the 1995 FA Cup triumph for Everton, I think. Totti, <laughs> Totti's just about the 95 in terms of completely unnecessary mentions on the podcast. Mm, I didn't mention it. You mentioned, mentioned it. Francesco Totti. Mm. <laughs> it's true. But I do wonder whether we, we have this sort of fetishization of youth in football, this idea that everyone has to run around really fast really, all the time. I, if you look at older players, obviously they still have to be in good shape. But yeah. The brain does... Give them a huge advantage. So I'm I'm with Tom Brady on this one. Is Ronaldo how old's Ronaldo now? Thirty two. Is he exactly what we're talking about? The way the stories I hear about how he recovers from games and how he lives his life physically if you see him he's 32 you think he looks like he should be 24 he physically looks so strong and then he's got all the experience and he knows when to run and when not to so he doesn't waste any energy is he kind of the classic example of what we're talking about here that combination of experience and still he's incredibly he's physically signed fit a new contract that will end when he's 37 I think yeah. so Real Madrid obviously think he's yeah. going to be able to but do that the as reinvention well. of Ronaldo is what's really interesting that he's he's become a striker and that as, as you say I think that is a product of his the wisdom of age that yeah. he's decided look I can't do 
what I used to do. I don't have the same stamina, the same explosive speed. But if I do it only in this limited area, then I can do it just as effectively for 90 minutes. So in, in comparison to perhaps the Tom Brady thing, where he's continued, obviously, to fulfil the same role because it's impossible in American football to do more than one job, that <laughs> he, he has mm. learned... And Look at his face, Steve. Oh. As, as, as a quarterback, yes. Oh. But he, has, he has... Not if you're a loose connection. <laughs> those loose connections, they are very those, versatile. Those kickers have a hard life, don't they? Well, they just have to come on and oh, kick oh, it once a game. I'd say that's well, tough, isn't it? Eh? The other thing is, is they do only play what 16 games a season which is yeah. about what you were averaging at Sheffield Wednesday so yes that's the first time you've been compared to Tom Brady Andy wow high praise to be fair that's a good point the fact he's fought nearly 40 only played two, he's only played 260 times is well ridiculous well that's what that's that's three seasons if you're a Premier League yeah. player and you get you have to go through Europa League qualifying mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one campaign in the Europa but League but obviously yeah. for, for, whereas Tom Brady has, has got better with age playing in his position the way you describe Ronaldo and we've seen it with, with Ryan Giggs in England yeah. we've seen it with other players is they have had to reinvent themselves to, to fulfil a slightly different role take on different responsibilities in order to, to prolong their career so they've used the experience to adapt their style of play mm. rather than what Brady's talking about. He's used his experience to get even better at the job he's got to do. The, the point about Tom Brady was to, yes, to eulogise, yes, I have a man crush on him, fine. You love him more than Gazelle loves him, don't you? <laughs> that, that's true. Giselle. Giselle, not Gazelle. Gazelle. Gazelle is a, an, an antelope. <laughs> Giselle is a Brazilian Giselle. Model. I wasn't talking about his wife. I was talking about, <laughs> about the antelope. <laughs> it's true. Uh, on it's the plains of Africa, he is very popular. Has Tom Brady been splattered by the Legion of Boom? Uh, several times, yes. Excellent. In fact... When he was 37, he managed to overcome the Legion of Boom to win Super Bowl 49. Okay. But the, the point is not just about Tom Brady. It's about the, the concept behind the idea yeah. that if you have seen... So a quarterback has to read a defense. Every time mm. he, he takes a snap, he has to know what he's looking at and to be able to predict what's going to happen. So tactically in football, there must be some sort of correlation where you have learnt tactically to understand what a, what a coach will want from you and to be able to respond that way or to be able to overcome some of the deficiencies that you've discovered in your game to be able to be the best that you can be. But the problem is, is that as soon as you get to that age, having played for 15, 17 years... You're often 35, yeah. and you can't enact it physically. Well, that's why you need a brain. I've said this all the way along about footballers, young footballers, developing their brains as well as their bodies to understand the job that they're doing. And then you gain experience by playing and playing and playing. Because a lot of, I don't know if it's true on the continent, but maybe a lot of English players don't like studying the mm. game. They like to be out on the training field physically doing stuff with the ball but what they're actually taking that's the important thing that's what a coach is trying to get over to them that's when the penny drops when they understand why they're doing something then they can go off and do it themselves and it's getting to that point and maybe someone at 2022 that can happen very quickly and they can be in eight or nine years before they get to 30 they can be really fabulous because they've taken it on board themselves but you need to have that ability to take on tactical information and understand what it's all about so you've got to have the brains and then you've got the willingness to actually say this is as much part of the game as being out on the training field is. George absolutely so, agrees with you. He did. Do you hear what he said? He yeah. said right on, right on chin, right, right she on said chin. there. Right on. Uh, yeah, in, I'm not sure how relevant it is. I, I think in this country, because we don't focus on playing intelligence so much, we ha- and we have this habit of almost babying players. So if you look at a lot of the most talented footballers that come through, Rooney, Ross Barkley are the two that kind of leap to mind. Wonderfully gifted. But you don't really get the impression that Rooney's at a different stage to Barkley, obviously. But you don't really get the impression that Rooney understands the game more now than he did 10 years ago. It's instinctive. Instinctive. He's, he's yeah. incur- he's, and that's not saying Wayne Rooney's not smart. Does Wayne Rooney, although he wouldn't pass a physics GCSE, neither would I, 
he's he 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 is intelligent in certain ways. There's not it's not a kind of sneering at Wayne Rooney thing. But I don't think he's been encouraged to to think about football in the way that say an Italian would. Yeah. Be. To be to learn kind of the patterns that move around you to kind of adapt your game based on the experience that you've accrued. I think Rooney's told, go out there and do your thing. I think that's very much the English kind of way of, of looking at it. I think in certain, not, not in every foreign country, but I think certainly in Italy, probably in places like Holland and Spain, I think there is much more of an emphasis on, right, think your way through this problem. Don't, don't just go and charge about and trust your huge natural ability to get you through. You have a, a acquired all this knowledge, you should be able to put that into practice, which is why you mm. get these great Italian defenders going until they're 35, 36. And even midfielders, people like Xavi, getting better with age. Xavi was not at 26 as widely respected as he, as he was at 34. The best example is Pirlo. Pirlo wasn't held up as being this kind of supreme artist when he was 25. There was, I remember in... He had to grow his hair long and a beard. He had to grow his hair long and a beard. It was only really, and it's partly that English ignorance of foreign stuff that meant he he got this huge amount of praise after 2012 when he... Yeah, after he played against England. Which, which, see, George, which remembers. George remembers well, George even though really he wasn't, wasn't actually... Well, George alive. is actually watching it. Well, this, is, this, is, this, this uh, interruption has come about because the excellent Hotel Transylvania has drawn Ooh. to a conclusion. So we need to... We need to well, so I'll tell we you will, what, we'll, we, we'll allow Steve to, to, to change the... Um, continue. I will... Um, <laughs> is there a Hotel Transylvania 2? Excellent. But that's quite interesting because you're right, it frames a reference, isn't it? Yeah. If, if, if we don't necessarily appreciate experience in this country and others do then we're going to talk about the fact that they are incapable English players of overcoming their physical limitations but well, in no, Italy for example they are over to yeah. overcome their physical limitations because of their mental ability well and also I think it's the, it's the cultural difference that, that in Italy particularly and there's not many reasons to sort of proclaim Italian football as the best in the world but I think from the point of view of allowing players of trusted, trusting in age Italian football you, the, the, it's always presented I've not been very really eloquent here am I the it's just I want to watch Hotel Transylvania too. Well, we've, we've, actually, we've actually moved on to the very popular children's spin-off from the Transformers franchise, Rescue Bots. And nice. what, I, what look, I understand look is out that for it on Netflix. George is going to get two episodes of that. So. Uh, that has oh, been wow. the instruction, yeah. People often talk about Italian football as being untrusting of youth, but you can flip that on its head and say that Italian football has a respect for experience, which is actually quite quite a nice thing. That you know, People like Chiellini, who's mid-30s now, are still... No one's saying, oh... Should retire. Gigi Buffon's getting on for forty. Yeah, well, but Bonucci's not even thirty yet. L- looks like he's been playing the game for twenty odd yeah. years. You keep thinking, you know, he must be joint end of his career. You check his age. Oh, he's, he's got another at least seven years. At the Was top an level. Italian, yeah, seven or eight. You'd have yeah. thought. But it's not. I don't think it's just how you play and train. It's how you live. It's okay. how you live the diet and, and understanding that actually between 13, I think it's more than ever now between 30 and 35 can be some of your most productive years because of the experience side of things and also. The way that you live your life in terms of people they obviously don't drink, don't smoke, the, the diets are very good as well. The um, the way that they train is very specific as well. And I think that enables players who've, who've got that brain and understand maybe when they get to 26, 27, that this is what can happen four or five years down the line. Yeah, I, was, I wanted to ask you about that because you often hear people talking about the c- commitment and sacrifices that need to be made by young people mm. to excel in any sport. You know, you talk about them, you know, not socialising with their mates, up early in the morning, parents getting them to training. Is there perhaps a problem that that commitment and sacrifice doesn't continue to be made 
for the duration of the career because you know perhaps once you've made your first team debut or you've won your first Olympic medal not to say you think you've cracked it but you feel as though you've got yourself into a position where you're able to to enjoy reap the rewards of your career whereas actually if your career is going to extend into your late 30s you need to continue to make those sacrifices absolutely and all, yeah and it's again it's the it's the penny dropping it's the the, the, the people themselves the sportsmen themselves having the brains to understand what is going to come along further down the line and appreciating where you'll be in 10 years time it's very hard to, well, and for certain players it isn't and that's the difference when these when I come across when I was at Sheffield Wednesday when I was early 30s and there's no way I was going to play at 35 there was a lot of good young players there who you felt would have the brains to understand what I was talking about that 30 will arrive you're 19 now and you just again you just want to play every day and you think you know everything and that'll just continue year on year but there's always a development virtually virtually every day there's something new coming along a different way of living a different way of training and playing and there was two or three players that I feel would have understood that 30 was going to come along and you can have a really fantastic period from 30 to 35 but trying to get that message across to maybe 80% of the young players that I came across they, they thought that's never going to happen I'm never going to get there I saw that when I was 16 what was going to happen later in life so you plan both in terms of finances and also your careers you do the best you can to look after yourself but whether every single player I, I don't think they do but the ones that we're seeing now we're seeing a, a lot more of, of, of players over 30 being really successful I think Ronaldo is the one that hopefully people at the mid, in their mid-20s will look at him and say I can't be as good as him but if I do the things in the way that he's done them I will have an opportunity to keep on playing at a very good level in my early 30s and, and beyond. To, to put the experience that you've acquired to use, just presumably by, on the rare occasions after the age of 30 that you did play, yeah. you, <laughs> you, did you find it easier? Well, yes. Because you knew what was going to happen. Yes, but also... Heavily you've heavily medicated. Heavily medicated. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I probably had many, many injections in many parts of my body. But yes, you'd, you'd, you'd hope. But because I was thinking about the game and actually being injured a lot gives you the opportunity to sit back mm. and actually watch when you're in the middle of something. At, at times, it can be hard to actually try and work out what is going on and what you've done well or not. But that's a coach's trick then to work with you away and show you. And then you realise then when you play again, this is what needs to be different or you carry on doing the things that are good. So it's... I understood by watching rather than actually playing when I, I'm now in my mid-30s so you know are you I have acquired a lot of so you're just just like Ryan Giggs you're just going to start yoga now exactly <laughs> yeah but no so when I read stuff that I wrote well two or three months ago but let's pretend mm. four or five years ago yeah. I sort of I, I, you read it and think if you just happen upon it if you're researching a subject and you put something you know you doodle something and it, one of your pieces comes up and you've forgotten it occasionally happens that you've forgotten that you wrote the piece and so you I'll click a link from like the Telegraph I'd be like, oh, this is this is this is terrible. Who wrote it? And then I'm looking at, see your own byline. It's really bad. Um, Can I recommend Mister? It's an excellent, the, excellent book. The no, in so five I, years it'll be awful. Yeah. It'll be terrible. I can't read that. I hate reading. I hate reading my own stuff back. But when I look back at what I did, I cringe and think, I'm, I, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I thought that worked. Is that the same as a player? When you're 33, do you kind of think back to what you did when you're 23? Yeah, well, surely we're, we're all improving, aren't we? Yes. The way that we live our lives, this the way we do... Surely we're all learning whatever it is. This conversation does transcend yeah. football and transcend sport because everything that we do, we know that we're better than what we were when we began 
also this sentence probably yeah. is better now than it was at its beginning. I think we're no longer on the upward curve. <laughs> but you and you and Steve make less fashion mistakes than you did oh, even no. six months ago. You've learned from Rory and I. You, you seem to be learning <laughs> more super dry is what you're saying. More super dry in the world, yes. I stopped wearing super dry at an appropriate age, not when I'm 48. But I bet you really want to wear it though, don't <laughs> yes, you? I still wish I did. I've got the muscles for your muscle fit t-shirts. I'm afraid I like to think that if I was to watch myself back doing something five years ago, it's not not as adept as I would think I am now and then in five years time but the, the the difference is is that we've got our whole lifetime to be able to do it because it doesn't rely on our physical capabilities yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. when you're when you're a football player mm-hmm. you have to yes think ahead yep. to what might be but also when you get to that point where you've figured stuff out or yep. more stuff than you thought you would you need to be able to be in that position to enact upon it but if you're playing a game at the age of 31, 32 and you've had a 15 year career is there any kind of tangible thing that you think well he's told me to do that and I know exactly what he's talking about well that's the the only problem is if you're working with coaches who you think are terrible (laughs) well that is the bad part and I don't want to mention any names but I did come across that and they're telling me to do stuff which clearly as you don't do but then you have to have that conversation. You can't do that in the dressing room in front of a manager. Say, what on earth are you talking about? But that's what you tend to... And then you realise, actually, I do have the experience. And maybe then you need the confidence to trust in yourself and mm. carry it out and not think, I have to listen to somebody else to tell me what to do because you do know it. And yeah, and it's actually working with younger players as well because then you're watching their games and trying to help you know, a young left-back who played uh, under... Not literally underneath me. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Nicholson was a, a very good young left-back at Sheffield Wednesday. And I tended to try and think about how to help him develop his game and I thought well if I'm passing that on clearly I've already got it and then you start to realise well I've got to use it myself as well because a lot of the time maybe you don't think that deeply when you, you do need to do and it's when you tap into that then it can all come together then your knees fall off and you have to retire at 32 that's true but do you <laughs> do you remember like a, a road to Damascus moment where it kind of clicked in your head and you thought oh I, I get it I can see like I see a different picture I, I understand this game more I was, than, than how I good a player do you think I was have you seen me play well you can answer no <laughs> well Yes, I think I did, but I, I was just physically not. Sadly, when I got to the point where maybe you could have enjoyed a really good few years because it was all coming together, the injuries I'd had in the previous 16 years <laughs> meant that I couldn't have those four or five years where I could really enjoy it because I understood the game a lot more and, and your positioning and everything else. Which leads us around to sort of is there an element of luck that comes in as well? I was thinking of uh, one of Rory Smith's football friends, Ilkay Gundogan. He is one of my greatest football friends. And a bit closer to home, Jack Wilshire, who have both been sort of held up as being exceptional midfield talents, but chronic injuries will, Mm. will almost certainly deny them reaching the levels that they are capable of and certainly will deny them having the, the kind of career that perhaps they were they were picked out for early, in, in the early stages. I mean, Gundogan in particular, we were, we were talking last week about, you know, p- potential rebuilding of, of the big three clubs in European football and Gundogan's name wasn't mentioned as being mm. a, a suitable candidate for any of those because of his because of injuries, yeah. injury problems. But he's a, he's an exceptional footballer. But At least he, he can spend some time with Rory, which is... swings around about. Yes. The, um, and I'm sure he's very, very grateful of that. No, I think, the, I think what's interesting is that this, what Chinch is saying is absolutely right. Obviously, does it change? Yes. Mm. But... I it's all the experience he's accrued. Because of the advances in, in medicine and conditioning training and all that, and because players now probably are a bit more respectful of, of their bodies, I wonder whether we might see... That even in England, which is the the sort of primary kind of youth lead, where youth is really important and everyone wants to run around a lot, and it's a good game if everyone's run around loads. It's and, not and a good pace game. Is, is yeah, and pace is everything, strength else, yeah. and all that. And I mean, Germany's not hugely dissimilar, but I still think it's fetishised more in England. I wonder whether we we might see more more sort of players in their early to mid thirties actually playing important roles. You think about Michael Carrick, 
who's 36, I think, Garrett. Mm. And this, you know, to a lot of people will still say, you know, United are better in mid- better when Carrick but plays in midfield. Is a holding midfielder the way that Carrick plays a bit like? It's the best parallel. The old Tom Brady, isn't it's he? Is the old kind of the putting that in that system? So then, right, you're not running kilometre after kilometre, but we need you to use your brains, get on the ball because you're and in the best position to see everything. And yeah. the sa- and the same thing about defenders. Yeah, You've got most defenders, in front yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah. You can see everything, mm. and you you are capable of applying that almost that kind of the clarity of the picture that but you've you been able to. They add. used to say that goalkeepers peaked at kind of in their late 20s early 30s they always used to say that and we've, we I think we've forgotten that I think we, we are now so obsessed with youth that we've forgotten that players in different positions peak at different times so yeah if you're a winner you, you probably want your winners to be in their mid-20s to be perfectly honest they're quicker Possibly the same with your fullbacks nowadays that they because they attack. You want the amount of ground that covers. Yeah, astronomical, and it's it? such an important position, probably the most important on the pitch. I'd say so. <laughs> certainly from the left side of the defence as well. It certainly has become so over the last yeah. decade, decade and a half. Yeah, yeah but before since, that, since, 2000, since March 2002, <laughs> yeah. retired. That was a terrible year for fullbacks. You retiring, Danny Mills going to the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but central defenders, holding midfielders. Those positions, even strikers to an extent, the strikers don't necessarily need to run around a lot. They just their movement needs to be intelligent. They don't have to sprint everywhere all of the time. Well, the, the, the examples of like Pippo and Zaggy went yeah. until he was 37, 38. Zlatan is still currently going, although he's now going through something of a chinch-related knee issue. Mm. Um, it's not chinch-related. <laughs> it is. He had nothing, I to, do I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> he wasn't marking it. He, was, he just I, did it out of respect. He did pretty much exactly the I same. Did, injury I definitely out of respect. don't have a Zlatan voodoo doll. <laughs> That's but true. I still but but so there, there's mm. yeah don't complete that sentence um, <laughs> so there's Latan uh, as well um, and players or oh, Teddy Sheringham was always yeah, the, was the, the great, one yeah. who didn't yeah. have the he had the the speed of thought but, yeah. but Latan is a is an injury aside recently went past 500 games and and someone looked at the statistics and even though Zlatan has been considered to be you know ex- an exceptional footballer for the best part of 10 years he, he, he has been considerably more prolific in his second 250 games than he was in the first if he, he scored something like twice as many goals yes, 250 games since he was 30 yeah, yeah. yeah. there, there is a contextual point there he has played in easier leads since I was just, was yeah I was but he has demonstrated because a lot of people go, oh yeah he scored a load of goals in Liga for PSG that, that won't oh, manifest itself I meant the Premier League in the Premier League <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah where, in leagues where defending is uh, it's harder to, you asked any forward it's the hardest place to store, goal, to store goals in Europe at the moment is still Italy has his game changed that much since I think his he, 20s I think has he, he changed as a player his has he been able to continue basically in the same vein? The level of talent that he has is 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 constant, and that's true of any player. You are as gifted at 19 as you are at 35. The advantage you have at 19 is that you you have more energy to deploy those gifts. But the advantage you have at 35 should be that you know how to deploy those gifts better because you've done it more times. Which, think, which he is doing. Which I think that that's what has marked Zlatan out since since he turned 30 is that he seems to have. I mean, he was always fantastic, but I do think he has grown into his ability. He knows when when to use it, how to use it, and it, the experience seems to have brought him. I don't know. He seems more of a. He was always a little bit kind of petulant and stuff when he was younger, and as he's got more experience, he seems to have become more kind of charismatic rather than being a sort of enfant terrible. He's kind of a, a leader. Enfant terrible is is French for terrible child. And Thanks for that. Thanks for that. <laughs> just in case you didn't know. How old was Zlatan when he was at Barcelona? 
27, I think. And was he was he ever a headless chicken kind of player, or was he always been this kind no, he's of... he's always been brilliant. Y- yeah, but did he run around... No, a lot. No, no, always had that kind that of. Was his, that was his problem. Yeah, yeah. That was his issue. So he's always had, he's not been one of those players that was suddenly when he was nineteen or whatever was like tearing. And they said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And they kind of developed him. He's always been that kind of slightly aloof. Yeah, like I a Cantona type of I mean, player. I, I wouldn't claim to have watched him a lot, a lot at Ajax, but yeah, from whenever as soon as he came to Italy, then yeah, he was he always had that same. That same kind of aura, yeah. He's not. He's never been a. T- and also, you need the ability to play that way. If you yeah. don't run around, you need to have extraordinary ability when the ball arrives at your feet yeah. to be able to make things happen. But I think there is there's, there's two things that define which players can do it, which players can use that experience to the to the best. One is the, the player themselves and whether they have the intelligence to work out what they're learning, and the other is the the, the environment, the team environment, the the lead environment that they're in, and whether they're allowed to, and whether it's seen as as it is in Italy or Spain, where it's, it's seen as it's certainly not a disadvantage and possibly in some circumstances an advantage, or whether, as it is in other countries, you're sort of told as soon as you hit 31, you, you're yeah. done, mm-hmm. you're done. Well, one of the first bits of kind of education about the game away from the training field was when Willie Donachie came to Everton and he'd been out around Europe, well, I think Italy primarily, watching how they did things and, and not just the training on the training ground, but in the in the actual um, offices and in the, the kind of the, the stuff they showed the players as well. The way Everton wanted to play was very similar. So I think when Viali was at Juventus, was it Juventus closing down from the front? And we sat, we said we're going to have a meeting at the ground and everyone's kind of, a meeting at the ground? What's this all about? We thought it was about a Christmas party. So, and it wasn't, it was a video of watching the first 15 minutes of a certain game and it was watching Gianluca Vialli and how he closed down and how the team helped him out and that was the first thing I remember sitting down thinking what has this got to do with football but then you realise when you keep doing it very quickly you understand why you watch it it's not just you know I thought we were going to watch Dances with Wolves we're watching something that's (laughs) going to educate you yes we're going to something that's going to educate you but I remember us all sitting there looking at each other thinking what are we doing but this is what they were doing in Italy clearly and Willie thought this is what players they need to understand to be educated away from the training ground and very quickly you couldn't get enough of it we were doing it every week or or two or three times a week and everything suddenly it picks up from there let's switch it back to somebody who is 1890 Marcus Rashford what would you say to Marcus Rashford now, whose game is basically is is all about pace? It's all it's about freaking out defenders. Well, I started noticing a couple of. It's a goal he scored recently against Sunderland. I don't know if you remember it, where Zlatan rolled the ball in for him and he, he finished across the. And everyone said, "What a great finish!" But the most important thing for me was the timing of his run. Mm. Because a lot of young players would just go off, to step offside because headlight, they just wrap it in the headlights. They don't understand the game. They don't appreciate the game. So that shows he's, there's a development there. He knew the pass was going to come. He knew Zlatan had seen him, but he thought the important thing is I stay on side, and he did, and he scored. And watching, um, is it Jesus at, um, at Man City? Was he 19? Mm-hmm. Watch his movement and his intelligence off the ball. Same with Deli Ali. That's what I look for with you. It's not necessarily in possession. You know they're great players when they have the ball, but their ability to find find space to make good use of it to get away from the ball to stay on side that's the development and if you have that at 19 imagine how good you're going to be at 25 because that is such a big lesson it seems nothing but it's absolutely everything so Rashford already is always going to be a great finisher but he's starting to understand the game that's going on around him he's blindingly quick so he can leave space for him to actually run into rather than be there uh, too quickly so I think it's that development it's already starting so whether that's from the coaches or whether the experienced players around him are talking to him or whether he himself has understood what he needs to add to his game I watched him in an under 18s game at the beginning or first half of last season before he, he broke through to the first team and United had somebody sent off in the first half mm. Rashford was playing as a striker went back into midfield yeah. and he was still the best player on the yes. field a, a completely out of position playing as a central midfielder yeah um, so, so yes, that's that's something that you can 
hope that he builds on, but can he do it until he's 35 when he doesn't have the speed, the pace, and the way? You become a different player, though. You become a different player. It's like Wayne Rooney, isn't and it? You what, hopefully become a different player. And what you have to hope, from Marcus Rashford's point of view, is that, uh, that the same mistake that was made with Rooney isn't made with Rashford. That people don't, the coaches around him, the players that he's playing with, his agents, his advisors, all that stuff, they don't assume that he will always have that elemental physical force. It will go. So you need him to develop the ability to become... A, yeah, it might be that Rashford turns into... I mean, he, I doubt he'll turn into a central midfielder. He might mm. do. Might turn into a centre-half. But the chances are he will have to reinvent himself if he, you know, if he's had this long, glorious career at United or wherever. And then he gets to 31, 32. Someone will have to say to him, look, Marcus, you're not quite as quick as you were, but you, you, you can still score loads of goals yeah. in the penalty area. So still be quick, but do it over five yards in the penalty area. Bang, you go. There's the chance. We'll play to you. That's, that has to happen rather than, as has happened with Rooney, this kind of, oh, well, he's Wayne Rooney. So he, he's just, he'd go out onto the pitch and be Wayne Rooney. And if you let that happen, if, you, if that's the only instruction you get, which it, with Rooney, it's, for a long time, mm. it seems to be the case. That was, he was told, go and be Rooney. Because he had such kind of uh, childish enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's all he's got. And as the Wayne Rooney-ness starts to fade with age, as it will, as all of that kind of physical stuff starts to go, then he's lost. He's not, he doesn't have instructions. He doesn't have, he's not playing to, a, to an idea. He doesn't know what he's trying to be. He's just trying to be a Wayne Rooney who is not quite the Wayne Rooney he was. It's the ageing process writ large in, in a Manchester United shirt. And, yeah, it's up to people around Rashford to help him avoid that. And, and then perhaps another lesson can be learned from the Wayne Rooney experience is, that, you know, don't expect too much too soon and don't require too much too soon. I know it must be really difficult if you the, the coach of a team with a, a hugely talented player with match-winning capabilities. But if they can continue to, to use him a little bit more sporadically in the early stages of his career, safe in the knowledge that if he is going to be a Manchester United player for 15 years, he is as capable of scoring you know, 120 goals after he turns 30 as he is of scoring 120 goals before he turns 30, then you know, Manchester United will be the better for it in the long run rather than you know, perhaps getting burnt out towards the, you know, the back end mm. of his 20s as with the benefit of hindsight, now we can probably reflect that Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney was. But that's why it's important for Rashford to understand where he, where he is now, where he can be. So regardless of who coaches him, he's already putting things in place, the yeah. stepping stones in place to be a great player when he's 30, when he's, what is he now, 20? 19? 19. So this is the, that's why I'm saying it's so important for the players to understand where they sit. You don't always need to be, of course you need to be coached up to a certain point, but if you're starting to understand the player that you are and make good use of that and then start to develop the aspects of your game which will make you a different type of player but still a very good player in your 30s, that comes from the player, right? Because you're not going to have a manager that's going to be there for 10 years. You know, It's not going to happen, is it? And he's going to be international managers that will come and go as well. So he can't constantly change and adapt to the coaches. He's got to have this central route and be helped and everything can be added to. But he's got to understand. And with what I'm seeing recently with his movement off the ball, that is, he's starting to understand what he's very good at and what he needs to develop. And those developments are starting and he's, take, he's, he's doing that himself. So, Marcus, I hope you're listening. That's all I can say. Learn from Tom Brady and Andy Hinchcliffe. Two peas in a proverbial pod. Yeah. Podcast. Mm. Pod. Anybody? No. Oh, I see. Pod. Oh, is it? Yeah. Terrible. Okay. Okay. Mm. More hilarity now coming from Andy Hinchcliffe as he tells us um, a soccer story. Although today, instead of never mind Jack and Nori, what a soccer story. It's never mind a soccer story. It's time for Ask Chinch. I feel like really? we should have some sort of uh, jingle here. I think I said that last time as well. Hashtag Ask Chinch. Thank you for all your questions coming in via Twitter at Set Piece Menu. Uh, you can email them as well to 
thesetpiecemenu at gmail.com. Andy Hinchcliffe is going to answer your questions now, thusly. 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 Well, just, just two <laughs> for Andy, two ask chinch for Andy today. The first is an in, definitely a pressing one. It comes from a friend of the podcast, a Blessed With Pace, who asks, why do toasters even have a level one and level two setting? Well, I presume if you like warm, floppy bread, or you just want your bread warmed... Do people do that? You say at least three. Three is no, 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 the no. lowest you never need to Never more go. than two. Never more than never two. Never more than two. No, I'd say never, never lower than three, possibly four. But that's... Just go out and get some wood. But have bark. The answer's in the... the <laughs> toast. Look at his disdain. Toast. <laughs> yeah, you put it's it, toasted. It's not hot. It's, it's not, not hot bread. Yeah, hot, it's hot, hot bread. bread. Let's have some toaster under two. Really? It's not toast. It's not toast. Really? 1.8 would give you toast. If they wanted it to be. 1.8? You can't put 1.8. They wouldn't have called it a toaster. They'd have called it a hot breader or a (laughs) bread hotterer. (laughs) Yes. A bread heater. So that's ridiculous. I, I agree. Yeah. It is. It is stupid. But that, or level one is a fair degree of toasting to start with. That's, that's the ideal. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Stuart Cooper has asked an altogether more intelligent and thought-provoking question. He asks if Alonso, as in the Alonso of Chelsea, at 23 million at that time of writing, had no international caps, and Luke Shaw at 30 million with I think four international caps. Uh, if that's their worth, <laughs> nothing. How much would Andy Seven Caps Hinchcliffe mm. command in the modern day left back transfer market? You're yep. being sold this summer. You've got seven caps. The, mm. the only problem you're is your move. Mm. You're making your move from Manchester City to Everton mm. this summer with seven England caps already. Firmly in the bank. We're talking an extraordinarily large amount of money, I would feel. The only problem is... How old were you when, when you went from City to Everton? Oh, I was only 20. And had you... 20? Because you presumably hadn't played for England at that stage. No. Under 21, but not... not so we're not, talking not. a transfer between... Yeah, so I'm, I'm a seasoned quality international yeah. left-back, of which there are very few. Um, Funnily enough, that might be uh, another extra five million then, wouldn't it? Well... Because there aren't that many around. You've mm. got, got to be over 20, hasn't it? I think it's 30. And, but the problem is... I had a, I was going to take corners and had a really good throw in, but those seem to be those kind of attributes seem to be a bit maligned these Rory, days. Rory Delap cost four million. He was good at throw-ins. There you go. Um, Charlie Adam cost Charlie Adam cost 10 million. twelve, 10 million, 10 10 12 million. For corners alone. For corners, 10 alone. Million corners alone. So we so twelve times four, not add four, twelve times four, forty-eight million. <laughs> I think if you I think if you've got a a top a, an international left back. In peak age, as Chinch always will be. Prior mm. to any knee injury. Prior to any knee injury, I yeah. think you're looking 30, 35 million nowadays. That's your. That's your There's no way to pass a medical, though, is it, to be honest? No, not now, no. Not it then. is a hypothetical question, Chinch. How much do you think, not, Steve? How much do you, let's have I, a. Don't I, be silly. No. Don't be stupid. In the spirit of how the question was asked, yeah. if Shaw is worth 30, 30 million, Chinch has got to be 35 at least. Because he's still got a lot to prove. Where so I'd, yeah, prove, everything. I'd prove everything, really. 35. Plus add-ons. There you go. So, so there we go. Two. Between mm. 20 and 35 is, is what we would possibly Oh, wait a minute. No, we said definitely 35 <laughs> plus. plus add-ons. You've suddenly gone down to 20 let's, to 35. Let's have a sensible average. So who are you going to drag this Somewhere down? Somewhere between Alonso and Shaw, I think it's fair to say. No, I don't. Th- I think you're completely wrong. I think Shaw Plus. Shaw Plus. Shaw Alonso. Plus. Hinchcliffe is Shaw million. Plus. Well, we thank you for all your questions. Keep them coming to hashtag Ask Chinch. If they're as thought-provoking as, as that one, then we'll be sure to include it on a future podcast. Anything to inflate Andy Hinchcliffe's ego is very well received by at least 
25% of the podcast. <laughs> um, please do subscribe, share and review to us here at Set Piece Menu. We humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Also, you can follow us at Set Piece Menu. Keep the emails coming in. Please do review, rate and share. Thank you to Steve, to Rory, to Andy, 53 million plus and to you for listening. We'll all be back with another Set Piece Menu for you to enjoy very, very soon. You might be worth 53 million, but you've mm. got to get out of here, haven't you? That's true. Well, yeah, I have. Yeah, but oh. Talk about experience. <laughs> I have, what yeah, would you, what would you say? me again. <laughs> no, you. I was going to ask you, what do oh, you right. feel you've gained mo- in the last 10 years? What do you think you've learned most My about friendship yourself? with you? No, that's just stupid, no, isn't it? It's, it's not a friendship. It's, it's not a friendship. I'm contractually obliged, aren't I? See, <laughs> right. Rory, have you seen a change in Hugh? Do you feel he's, his experience is really coming to the fore now? We're seeing the man I think we, I, we thought we would see. I think Gemma's changed him. Yeah, you yeah. feel. Yeah. Improved him. Improved him in improved many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 In what, in what particular ways would he's you just, say? He's just a lot better now. Better. better. Just, just better, better, isn't he? Better at stuff. His better. linen is now very different. It used to be just like NFL team duvet. Light <laughs> <laughs> I think we should have an American a podcast we should cover. Can we get Tom Brady on the phone? Uh, yeah. Put my name in there, or Rory's name in there, and I'm sure Tom Brady will lap it up. Would you like to talk to Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to talk to him about his pet antelope. because. <laughs> <laughs> I also I also want to find out about about that, that personal development that he had in his life when he found out he was adopted. Yes. <laughs> and he's adopted a new way of training. He's adopted. Oh no, he's new way of training. I love that. Oh,